This show is a part of the podcast network of the Walled Garden Philosophical Society, an international community of philosophers and seekers dedicated to the pursuit of truth, wisdom, virtue, and the divine, wherever they may be found. To find out more, go to thewalledgarden.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of Soul Searching with Seneca. Now today we're continuing in letter number 14 on the reasons for withdrawing from the world. And I'm going to read verses 7 through to 9. I find these ones uh, quite interesting because what he's talking about here is, uh, you know, on one level he's talking about tact when it comes to political dealings and uh, political relationships, right? But, uh, but he's also showing us a great example about how wisdom is not always just uh, saying the truth how you see it to the people around you, uh, but perhaps wisdom is sometimes uh, using a strategic approach and understanding the realities of human beings and what they're like, and and, and almost, uh, you know, finding a, a navigation through and around the potential pitfalls that we might fall into uh, when dealing with human beings. And if you remember the previous episode where we talked about uh, verses 5 to 6 of this same letter, you know, and Seneca is kind of discussing all of these torture methods and saying that, you know, we fear these methods of dying because of the show, the spectacle of these of these methods. And, uh, and now he's then going on to say, well, look, you know, this does still mean something uh, about how we should act around people when we're in the mob, when we're amongst other, uh, other people. And so he says the following, quote, Let us see to it that we abstain from giving offence. It is sometimes the people that we ought to fear, or sometimes a body of influential oligarchs in the Senate. If the method of governing the state is such that most of the business is done by that body, and sometimes individuals equipped with power by the people and against the people, it is burdensome to keep the friendship of all such persons. It is enough not to make enemies of them. So the wise man will never provoke the anger of those in power. Nay, he will even turn his course precisely as he would turn from a storm if he were steering a ship. When you travelled to Sicily, you crossed the straits. The reckless pilot scorned the blustering south wind, the wind that roughens the Sicilian sea and forces it into choppy currents. He sought not the shore on the left, but the strand hard by the place where Charidus throws the seas into confusion. Your more careful pilot, however, questions those who know the locality as to the tides and the meaning of the clouds. He holds his course far from that region notorious for its swirling waters. Our wise man does the same. He shuns a strong man who may be injurious to him, making a point of not seeming to avoid him, because an important part of one's safety lies in not seeking safety openly. For what one avoids, one condemns. We should therefore look about us, and see how we may protect ourselves from the mob. And first of all, we should have no cravings like theirs, for rivalry results in strife. Again, let us possess nothing that can be snatched from us to the great profit of a plotting foe. Let there be as little booty as possible on your person. No one sets out to shed the blood of his fellow man for the sake of bloodshed, at any rate very few. 
More murderers speculate on their profits than give vent to hatred. If you are empty-handed, the highwayman passes you by. Even along an infested road, the poor man may travel in peace. End quote. So here we see a really interesting side of Seneca. It's almost the political strategist uh, side of Seneca. He's writing in this kind of uh, Machiavellian tone, right, where he's he's saying, listen, it's dangerous out there. It's really dangerous out there. There are people out there who you do not want to cross. You know, you do not want to get on their bad side. And, you know, on, on one angle, it, it makes a lot of sense, right, because, I mean, you can do a lot more good alive rather than dead, right? You can do a lot more good when you're not banished from your country. And Seneca knew exactly what that world was like. He knew exactly what it was like to be banished from his country, uh, to be the target of political uh, condemnation, you know? And so uh, he was in this world uh, and he was in the swamp, right, you might say, and he saw this stuff happening and he knew what people were like. And uh, so that's why here he's he's essentially kind of walking that really tight rope between, you know, how can you uh, live your life and 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 do what you need to do, but also uh, remain on somewhat friendly terms with those people who would very quickly turn against you uh, if you gave offence to them. And you know, when a lot of people talk about Seneca, they can often bring up this idea that okay, well, you know, he was right next to Nero for most of the time that he was governing, and you know, why didn't Seneca do something about the atrocities that Nero was involved with? And and you know, this kind of gives us a clue into Seneca's approach with this, right? He doesn't talk a lot in his, uh, if if at all, in his letters about his political life, but this gives us a clue into how he might have dealt with somebody like Nero, right? Because one thing that we have to realize is, is that if, if you're just thinking, you know, Seneca should have just stood up to Nero and said, you know, you should not be doing this. Well, I, I mean... <laughs> he would have immediately uh, been executed on the spot, you know, like, and, and he knew that. He knew that it was hard to deal with a snot-nosed young Roman emperor who was super prideful and, and bloodthirsty. You know, he would have known that 100%. And so he had to walk this fine line where, where he wasn't angering those people who had all the power because to do that would to be condemn himself uh, to death, Right. But he had to find a way to navigate through that. And so he gives us these great ideas in here. And so he says, you know, the wise man will never provoke the anger of those in power. Nay, he will even turn his course precisely as he would turn from the storm if he was steering a ship. And then he goes on to give us an example, right? And and he he tells us that, you know, you have this one pilot of a ship who curses the winds and curses the rain and, and gets angry that he's in this situation. But then he gives us an example of the careful pilot of the ship. And the careful pilot is one who consults with the people who know that local area. And he consults with the people about, you know, what are the signs of the clouds? What does that mean for what the, the sea is going to be like? And then he even takes it further and he says, listen, you, you know, the sage will avoid these people in power, right? Not wanting to uh, give offense to them, but at the same time, he will not be seen to be avoiding these people in power. And he says something very wise here, for what one avoids, one condemns. And so what we see is Seneca is setting up this really hyper-strategic approach to dealing with powerful people, right? And, uh, and, and powerful mobs. 
And an interesting thing to note is that Seneca was writing these letters at a time when he actually was kind of removing himself from the public life, right? And so he had to really be thinking about these things, not being seen to be avoiding people, because that is certainly something that will arise uh, suspicion within those who have the power, right? You know, is Seneca avoiding us? Is there something that he's plotting? Is there something that he's doing? And and we know that Seneca had all kinds of controversies, uh, even towards the end of his life, obviously, uh, which led to his death, ultimately, um, these controversies around, you know, was there kind of a plot going on in the background? You know, was he scheming something? And, and so, you know, Seneca knows this world and he knows how to think strategically about dealing with people. And then Seneca kind of goes on to finish off the, these few verses by giving us the example of the poor person traveling along the highway who is uh, much less likely to be robbed, obviously just by virtue of the fact that, that they don't have anything to rob, right? There's, there's nothing that they're trying to hide. There's nothing that they're trying to keep. They're just traveling along, right? And that's, that's kind of what Seneca wants to be like in his relations with uh, people in power, right? He wants to not be seen to have anything of value to offer them if they were to turn against him. And so Seneca has a real awareness of the nature of people, of the nature of the mob, right? And of, of, of how you want to be navigating around these kinds of circles. And I know that this is kind of, uh, it's, a, it, it, it's probably a, a poor analogy to draw between that, that time and the time that we're living in now, because the stakes are not nearly as high as what they might have been for Seneca, or what they were for Seneca, obviously, by his, his death standards. But, uh, you know, you can really think about this in terms of uh, the kind of culture that we have now, where, you know, if you do say something that goes against the opinion of the mob or, um, you know, upsets a certain person who has a little bit of influence, right? Or, uh, you know, if you overstep the boundaries just a little bit uh, online, for example, you know, there are real consequences. You know, we see people losing their jobs, you know, losing their livelihoods, uh, you know, all kinds of uh, uh, things happening to these people who overstep the, uh, the, the mob's boundaries, right? And so someone like Seneca probably would have said, hey, listen, you've got to understand what people are like. You've got to understand what the mob is like and what people who have influence are like. You know, th this is a dangerous world in many aspects. And uh, especially if you're playing in the same kind of circles as, uh, you know, what Seneca might have been playing around in, uh, you know, you've got to have strategy and you've got to really take into account the full range of human possibilities. Uh, that is wisdom, you know, not just running your mouth amok. And, uh, and, and so there's just this interesting uh, uh, side of Seneca that we see here. And I think that, uh, you know, what I really want you to take away from this episode is strategy. That's what he's thinking about. He's thinking about how do I deal with people and not just, you know, in, in a naive way kind of thinking, well, I'm just going to expect the best of people, which he actually does talk about sometimes in terms of friendship, right? But, but one of the things you might remember that he says about friendship is be very careful about trusting somebody before you have judged whether they're worthy of your friendship and whether they're worthy of your trust. Once you trust them, you can tell them anything. But before that, you just want to watch. You want to stop. You want to watch. You want to listen to what they say. You want to, you know, you want to see how they act and you want, you want to make a judgment about whether they are the kind of person who you are going to, uh, you know, be free with, Right. 
And so, as I said, I want you to take away from this episode a deeper wisdom about how you deal with people. And 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 I would not suggest at all that you should, uh, you know, go around uh, acting as if uh, everybody is up to something and you should watch out for everybody um, and what they're doing, because obviously we live in such a different time, you know, and, and, and back in those times, it was actually very difficult to truly trust somebody or anybody. But, you know, we do in many ways live in societies now that are, are much more uh, built upon that trust so that you can trust people and you can trust those people who you work with and, 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 and that sort of stuff. But we've all been stung before. You know, we've, we've all had situations in our lives where we thought that a person was one thing and it turned out that they were completely another. And so Seneca teaches us here to, to watch and pay attention to, to how people actually act and what people are actually like. And then to, to use that as information and knowledge uh, that feeds into your, your understanding about how you should move forward in life and, uh, and how you can progress with what you're moving towards. Uh, without getting yourself into uh, too hot water. So uh, interesting ideas from Seneca, uh, at least to meditate on and think about what they mean for you and in, in, in your life. And, uh, and, and an interesting side of Seneca that we, that we don't often see. So uh, I hope you've taken a lot from this episode and I'll talk to you next time.